Was Robin Hood right? This second look at poverty is brought to you by Octopod. Head on over to octo-pod.com slash outset and use the coupon code OUTSET when you buy one of their mobile charging solutions to get 50% off your order. Hello and welcome to Second Look. My name's Benjamin Green and I'm here from Outset. This is the show where we pause and take a second look at things going on in politics and culture. Now, let me tell you, when I was planning this week's episode, I was an idiot. Uh, This week is Open Access Week. And open access is something I'm really passionate about. I was actually doing a presentation on open access in one of my classes, and yet somehow I never connected the dots and realized that, you know, I have a podcast that talks about politics and culture, and I could totally talk about open access on here. So, I did not do that. Here we are in open access week, and I have nothing for you on open access. Well, hopefully that won't be too too bad of a deal. Uh, I'll probably talk about Open Access Week, maybe next week, maybe later, I'm not sure. But like I said, it's something that's really cool, something I'm passionate about, so expect that in the future. This week, what I prepared is just a look at poverty. Um... And it's a little bit of a series. We might not do it, like, this number of weeks in a row, which I know is kind of a weird way to do a series, but there's just so much information about poverty, what causes it, and what um, what fixes it, <laughs> that, that I don't know if I can fit it all into one episode. So today, I just... Wanted to kind of jump in and see where we go. I have a whole bunch of stuff prepared, but I don't know if we're going to get through it all in one day. So, first of all, right now, while you are listening, I want you to think about it and write down in your head. <laughs> what? Write it down in your head. So, no, I want you to pull out a piece of paper and write it down with a pen or a pencil. If you have one. If you're running or something, I will forgive you for doing this in your head. If you wanted to design a system that would put people in poverty, let's say you were this corrupt villain, you really didn't like anyone other than you having money, you wanted people to be poor, how would you design that system? Go ahead and um, pause the show and write down your answer to this. If you were going to design a system, an economic system, that put people in poverty, how would you design it? Alright, now, question number two is if you were going to design a system that made everyone richer, how would you do it? 
All right. So, with those two questions in mind, um, I want to do a little thought experiment with you. Dun, dun, dun. Let's just say that you are really into making these balsa wood airplanes and then going and entering them into a flying competition. So you all go stand up at the top of the hill and you throw your balsa wood airplane down the hill. Um, And whoever flies the farthest wins. So you have only, you know, a couple simple tools. It's just a hobby. You can't really afford to make this your your career because, I mean, it's balsa wood airplanes. There's not all that much of a market for making that a career. So you just have a couple simple tools, and your airplane, you know, it flies maybe 10 feet. Well, down the line from you, there's this one guy, you know his income from his job is about twice as much as yours. So he can always make better airplanes. They always fly farther. You have no chance of winning. Well, suddenly, it's a rotation, and now you are in charge of the rules for the competition. And the tradition in this competition is that whoever's in charge of the rules tries really hard to make themselves win. So you are in charge, and you have to try really hard to make yourselves make yourself win. What are you going to do? Well, the answer might seem obvious to you like it did to me. You take the rich guy's airplane and you say, this is now my airplane, and you give him yours and you say, this is now yours. Suddenly, you have this really nice airplane. He has this kind of junky one that you just made with a couple simple tools and you win. Hooray. But then what happens the next time the competition rolls around? You still own that airplane, but... Another friend is in charge of the rules, and they say, hey, no, that belongs to me now. Here, you get a junkie one. And they win. So whoever has the best airplane, whoever's in charge, wins. But what is it that makes them win? Is it the fact that they're in charge, or is it something else? And I want you to write down your answer to this one, too. Pause the the recording if you need to think about it for a minute. So, what it is that enables the person in charge to win is the power to say, no, that doesn't belong to you anymore. Now it belongs to me. Does that make sense? So, So, if you were in charge of the rules and you weren't allowed to take someone else's airplane and make it your own, it wouldn't help you very much, because the guy with the best airplane would still win. Well, what would the effects of this be? Would that guy make a really awesome airplane, knowing that someone else could just walk up and say, oh, that's mine, I'm in charge of the rules this year, so I'm going to win. He would be actively undermining himself if he were to work hard and make this nice airplane. So, he would stop 
doing it. It would be a disincentive for him to work because he can't own his work. Whoever's in charge will just take it away from him. So, what does this thought experiment teach us? And actually, this thought experiment is based on a real-life scenario. Ten bonus points and a mystery digital prize to any the first person to tweet or comment on OutsetMagazine.com with the real-life scenario that this thought experiment was based on. My Twitter handle is at BGreenAZ. If you know what I based it on, tweet me. Or comment. That's at magazine.com. Um, so, so what does that tell us? It tells us that if you protect people's right to their own property, they're going to make their stuff nicer. If you don't protect people's right to their own property, everyone's going to end up with junk because you're not going to... If, if anyone... Let, let, let's make it be houses. If I can fix up my house really nice and then someone can just come in and say, oh, nope, not your house anymore. It's mine now. And I have to move out and let them take my house. Well, I'm not going to do it because I'm going to prioritize my own, like not having to move all the time <laughs> over having a nice house. I'd live in a worse, a junkier house that people aren't going to come and take. So, what does this have to do with poverty? I believe that the number one thing we can do for poverty is protecting private property rights. That's the number one thing. Because at at its core, private property... A lot of people these days are talking about how our system is broken. And our system is broken. And it's even for some of the reasons they identify. But they also theorize these solutions that would make the problem worse. Um, And one of these things is private property. I have read, oh, probably four or five articles within the last six months about how private property is inherently bad. How we shouldn't need private property. Uh, We should be willing to have a more... I I don't want to use the word collectivist because that's kind of a charged word, but a a little bit more of a collectivist system. And I don't mean that to to be an insult or anything. It's just the best word I can come up with right now. Um, And I... I believe that's completely wrong, because if you own your property, you're going to fix it up as you see fit. If you don't mind living in a junk heap, then you're going to live in a junk heap. But if you, like most people, want to live somewhere nice, you're going to fix it up with a little bit of your money. And if someone could just come and take it away from you, it would make your life worse. That is the key. So, if I were going to design a system that would keep people in poverty forever, I would ban private property. I would just say there's no such thing as theft. There's no such thing as um, private property. And you can just have whatever you want. You just got to be big enough and strong enough to go and take it from someone, and then you can. And... I do not doubt for a moment that if if 
if this were to happen, if a country were to say, okay, no such thing as private property, no such thing as theft, then you would see a huge increase in violence and a huge decrease in standard of living. And I also in income, think about if you owned a little retail store, you sell t-shirts for a living, t-shirts and purses, and suddenly anyone can come help themselves to whatever you're selling, well, you're not going to make any money. You're going to start getting zero dollars per month. You're going to have to close down your business. All of the employees working for you are going to lose their jobs. Not only that, but you're not going to start buying any more t-shirts or purses from the factory. So the factory is going to go out of business. So... What, what was your system? I'd really like to know what the system was that you just designed in that minute there. Please comment. You could try to fit it in a tweet, but it'll probably be too long. So please comment on this episode at OutsetMagazine.com uh, with your two systems you designed. How would you make people poor and how would you make people rich? And I'm going to talk about the system that I would design if I wanted to make people rich in just a minute after I remind you that this podcast would not be able to exist without our awesome sponsor, Octopod, and their mobile charging solutions for your phone or tablet. Never have to worry about your battery dying again if you just go to octo-pod.com slash outset. Take a look buy one of their battery backups. I personally have the Ion 3. I know someone who has the Ion 10. Um, and they're great, great products. Octo-pod.com slash outset. Use the coupon code OUTSET when you check out for 50% off. So, if I were to design a system that would make people richer... The first place I'm going to start is by doing the opposite of my system that would make people poorer. So, I'm going to write into law that it is legal for you to own property. That is your right. That is your human right. Um, And nothing the government can do can infringe on your property right. Now, I would also... You write theft into law. It's illegal to take someone else's property against their will. All exchanges must be voluntary. So, using that as a baseline, if you think through interpersonal relations, what what would be the next step? So, I I have an inalienable blah blah inalienable, it's kind of a hard word to say, right to my own property. That is not in the United States Declaration of Independence, but it is something that I personally believe. You, as part of what makes you human, is that you are allowed to own things. So what comes next? Well, I think that the thing that comes next is... You have to be able to exchange 
things you own with other people who own things. And this is just natural. You know, you see kids on the playground uh, who barter each other for things. Maybe it's just a stick and a rock. I'll trade you for... (laughs) I'll take your rock for my stick. Or maybe it's inside at the bake sale and they each get a, a different dessert and then decide they want the other one. Well, let's trade. It's a natural human instinct to trade belongings with other people. And it's good because it enriches the lives of both people involved. If I have an apple and you have an orange and I'm really wanting an orange that day and you're really wanting an apple, or at the very least, you you want an apple and an orange equally, then we can both voluntarily trade each other and our lives are the same or better. There is no way our lives will get worse. Because if you don't want an apple, then you're going to say, look, I really don't want an apple today, and not trade with me. So trade can, at the very least, leave our lives the same. And in reality, trade makes our lives much better. Uh, Maybe you just traded a thousand dollars for a new computer. Maybe you just traded a TV for $700, uh, uh, selling it to someone on Craigslist or something. I don't know what it is, but trade has made your life better this week. You've, if, if you're listening to this podcast, you're listening to it on a computing device that has had connection to the internet. Well, how do you get connection to the internet? Well, you trade with a service provider, and they give you internet service in exchange for your dollars. Even if you don't spend any money on internet, if you go to the public library for all of your internet needs, then you know what? You trade your tax dollars for that internet. Even if you're homeless, you have no income, someone gave you this computer, and you have connected to the internet using this computer that you do not own, you know what you traded to listen to this podcast? Your time. You have given me about 18 minutes and 45 seconds of your time today. That is a trade. It's a voluntary exchange. And our lives are all enriched by trade. They're all touched by trade at a very basic level every day. And sometimes they're touched at a bigger level. You might, in this global age, you can buy a product. Meredith and I, just this, Meredith's my wife, in case you don't know, just this past week, uh, we were able to buy this hand-weaved trivet made by a woman in Rwanda. How cool is that? We were able to help her by paying her much more money than she would be able to earn selling her goods in Rwanda, and we have this awesome, high-quality, hand-weaved trivet. It's totally cool. <laughs> Trade equals win. I've, I've heard that somewhere. I want to say it was maybe Art Carden. If you don't know Art Carden, you should look him up. He's a great guy. I think he might be the one who, who likes to say, trade equals win. 
So how does this play out for a system that you you want to make people richer? First, you say, for me, I say, all right, you have a human right to private property and you have a human right to be able to exchange your private property with someone else's private property. But you also deserve to be protected from others involuntarily taking your property through theft. So how does this play out on a national level? There are poor people in America. How should we help them? Should we make it harder for them to obtain and protect property? Should we make it easier for them to obtain and protect property? These are the questions when you boil it all down to a very simplistic level, this is, in a nutshell, poverty. People need to be able to own things, whether it's food, whether it's they need to be able to temporarily own a rented apartment. Uh, you, you are not the property owner but you have the the right to live there. It, th- that's actually a really good example. If if you own of a, of a way trades touched us all. If you own your house, you have traded with someone else dollars for that house. And even if you rent your house, you're trading your dollars for their house, and you get to stay there. Um. So, where was I going with this? If If I want to make everyone rich, I am going to give them property, give them trade, and I think this holds true on a national level as well. I've said in many episodes that we here at Outset are committed to individual liberty, personal responsibility, and free markets. Well, it's kind of a confusing term if you're not a little bit of an economics nerd, (laughs) What What is a free market? What even is a market? Are you talking like a farmer's market? Well, well, the market basically is just a, a, a catchphrase to mean all the economic transactions that happen. All of the exchanges of property happen in the market. Whether it's a very small market between you and a friend, you're selling your old TV... Or maybe it's a very big market. Maybe you are at Amazon.com and you are selling Kindles to the whole entire world. Both of those things happen in a market. We here at Outset believe that markets should be free. That might sound terrifying. It might sound dangerous. But if we look all around the world at countries that are free economically, those countries have a higher standard of living than those who are not free economically. And this makes sense. If you think about it, um, communist countries have always been very poor. Maybe not for a while, but they've always ended up that way. Why? Because people do not own their property. The government owns their property. The government can take away their property whenever they want to. 
if someone else owns the things you use every day, they have absolute power over you, and that's not okay. It makes your life much worse, and it will make you poorer, because you cannot better your own life by improving your property through trade. So in America, we tend to have two camps on poverty, and I think they're both a bit wrong. (laughs) Uh, The two biggest camps on poverty are, uh, number one, the government just needs to come in and give poor people money and do nothing else. That tends to be people on the more progressive side. And I I know I'm oversimplifying here. If you are a progressive and you're listening, I know you're not wanting to just throw money at poor people. But for the most part, from liberal politics in the United States, we we hear the argument that we we just need to give more money. More of the government spending needs to be on poor people. From the conservative side, we tend to hear that the government just needs to get out of the way and cut taxes. Tax cuts are great. Tax cuts would help a lot of people. And this is actually one of the things I had prepared. And, um... I don't think I'm going to get to it today because we're already over 25 minutes. So, we'll get there sometime in the future. Tax cuts do help poor people, and it helps them a lot. But that's not all that needs to be done. Government spending can help poor people, and it does help poor people a lot. Um, But that's not where we can stop. (laughs) We have to examine what causes poverty. And then we have to apply solutions based on that. So, all this to say, the reason we support free markets at outset is because we believe that the free market, where people can own their property and voluntarily exchange it with anybody, at any cost, voluntarily, on both sides, that is the best way to lift people out of poverty. Jobs, not food stamps. That might sound heartless, but as you will see in the coming weeks, yep, I'm officially calling it, we're we're having a series. I don't know exactly how it's going to work, but you can expect to hear some more about poverty and economic freedom. And as you will see in the coming weeks... It tends to be the freer the market, the richer the people. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I really appreciate you listening, and it would be even better if you would look up this show in iTunes and give it a rating. Obviously, I like five-star ratings, but be honest. Um, And then also go to OutsetMagazine.com and comment on this episode. What are your thoughts? What were the systems you designed to keep people poor or to make people rich? 
You can find me on Twitter at BeGreenAZ and also make sure to follow my awesome editor at Stephen underscore Perkins. That's Stephen with a P-H. And check out all of our other podcasts at Outset Magazine, which are available in iTunes. And of course, you can find Outset Magazine on any of your social media channels. Today, I'll give you Facebook. It's facebook.com slash Outset Network. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I really hope you have a great week. 